the Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style. From a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms. To the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountaintops. And to the backsides of dry desert wastelands. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life, hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, the Bible. Stay tuned, and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. All right. Good evening, everyone. One more time. Wonderful tonight, beautiful reading ahead of us. One of my favorite psalms, actually. Psalm 19, giving praise to God for his creation and the beauty and power of his word, which, which is, of course, of great interest to us because we're investing our time and energy in helping you hear God's word. From Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, that's what we are reading at this present time, the first three books of the Bible, the Old Testament. Then we'll be moving over in just a few days, actually, a couple of weeks, I guess, we'll be moving over to the New Testament and picking up in the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be reading about the birth of Messiah, this special individual that is prophesied and predicted all through the Old Testament. I've been trying to remind you of that fact, even as we began in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the first promise of this son of Adam and Eve, this descendant of theirs, who is going to cancel out the success that Satan had in tempting mankind into sin. He will cancel that by paying the debt of our trespasses, the debt of our sin. He's mentioned there in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He will be a male of the human species. He won't be an angel. He won't be an extraterrestrial. He's going to be a human being, a male, who will crush the work of Satan, and he himself will be wounded, it says. Throughout the Old Testament, there are other predictions of this one, both direct predictions and, of course, there are many, many uh, dramatized predictions of this one and his work. That's what we're seeing as we go through the book of Exodus and the design of the tabernacle and the sacrificial system and the festival days, looking ahead to see the work of the Messiah, the one who would carry out God's redemptive plan. We're going to pick up tonight in Exodus chapter 28, 
continuing with the plans that God is giving to the people of Israel for their worship center of this place called the Tabernacle. I'll explain a little bit more in a moment. Right now, though, let's go to that beautiful Psalm 19 on the Bible Life. Psalm 19. The heavens tell of the glory of God. The skies display His marvelous craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make Him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is silent in the skies, yet their message has gone out to all the earth and their words to all the world. The sun lives in the heavens where God placed it. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight to life. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to those who hear them. There is great reward for those who obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep me from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. End of reading, Psalm 19. Just a face in the city Just a tear on a crowded street Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Beautiful psalm tonight, Psalm 19, which celebrates God's revelation of Himself through nature. Through general revelation, God has revealed himself and is revealing himself even today to every man, woman, and child on planet Earth. God has planted eternity in our hearts, and he reveals himself through the world that he has created around us. It's spoken of clearly in Psalm 8 as well, the sun, the moon, and the stars, how they reveal God's glory to us. The psalmist there says, when I consider these things, what is man? It makes me wonder, why would you give any attention whatsoever to us and to blessing us and to lifting us? Here in Psalm 19, not only are we talking about the sun, the moon, and the stars, the beauty of nature, but we're talking about nature within human beings ourselves. We have both human consciousness and awareness. We alone worry about eternal matters. We alone are concerned about immortality. And we alone worry about spiritual realities. We have human consciousness and we have human conscience. The lion in Africa doesn't worry, well, is it right for me to eat that zebra over there or not? That is also a part of God's revelation of himself to us. 
Well, let's turn back now from Psalm 19 and its consideration to more special revelation that God is giving of himself to the people of Israel. And through them, he is revealing himself to us. We are now in the process of seeing the tabernacle designed and the dedication of the priests, the clothing that the priests will wear, the plans for the incense altar, and the Day of Atonement and so on. So let's listen and learn from the Bible life. Exodus 28:40 through 31:18. Exodus 28. Then for Aaron's sons, make tunics, sashes, and headdresses to give them dignity and respect. Clothe Aaron and his sons with these garments, and then anoint and ordain them. Set them apart as holy so they can serve as my priests. Also make linen underclothes for them to be worn next to their bodies, reaching from waist to thigh. These must be worn whenever Aaron and his sons enter the tabernacle or approach the altar in the holy place to perform their duties. Thus they will not incur guilt and die. This law is permanent for Aaron and his descendants. Exodus 29. This is the ceremony for the dedication of Aaron and his sons as priests. Take a young bull and two rams with no physical defects. Then using fine wheat flour and no yeast, make loaves of bread, thin cakes mixed with olive oil, and wafers with oil poured over them. Place these various kinds of bread in a single basket and present them at the entrance of the tabernacle along with the young bull and the two rams. Present Aaron and his sons at the entrance of the tabernacle and wash them with water. Then put Aaron's tunic on him along with the embroidered robe of the ephod, the ephod itself, the chest piece, and the sash. And place on his head the turban with the gold medallion. Then take the anointing oil and pour it over his head. Next, present his sons and dress them in their tunics with their woven sashes and their headdresses. They will then be priests forever. In this way you will ordain Aaron and his sons. Then bring the young bull to the entrance of the tabernacle, and Aaron and his sons will lay their hands on its head. You will then slaughter it in the Lord's presence at the entrance of the tabernacle. Smear some of its blood on the horns of the altar with your finger, and pour out the rest at the base of the altar. Take all the fat that covers the internal organs, also the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys with their fat, and burn them on the altar. Then take the carcass, including the skin and the dung, outside the camp, and burn it as a sin offering. Next, Aaron and his sons must lay their hands on the head of one of the rams as it is slaughtered. Its blood will be collected and sprinkled on the sides of the altar. Cut up the ram and wash off the internal organs and the legs. Set them alongside the head and the other pieces of the body, and burn them all on the altar. This is a burnt offering to the Lord, which is very pleasing to him. Now take the other ram and have Aaron and his sons lay their hands on its head as it is slaughtered. Collect the blood and place some of it on the tip of the right earlobes of Aaron and his sons. Also put it on their right thumbs and the big toes of their right feet. Sprinkle the rest of the blood on the sides of the altar. Then take some of the blood from the altar and mix it with some of the anointing oil. Sprinkle it on Aaron and his sons and on their clothes. In this way, they and their clothing will be set apart as holy to the Lord. Since this is the ram for the ordination of Aaron and his sons, take the fat of the ram, including the fat tail and the fat that covers the internal organs. Also take the long lobe of the liver, the two kidneys with their fat, and the right thigh. Then take one loaf of bread, one cake mixed with olive oil, and one wafer from the basket of yeastless bread that was placed before the Lord. Put all these in the hands of Aaron and his sons to be lifted up as a special gift to the Lord. Afterward, take the bread from their hands and burn it on the altar as a burnt offering that will be pleasing to the Lord. Then take the breast of Aaron's ordination ram and lift it up in the Lord's presence as a special gift to him. Afterward, keep it for yourself. Set aside as holy the parts of the ordination ram that belong to Aaron and his sons. This includes the breast and the thigh that were lifted up before the Lord in the ordination ceremony. In the future, whenever the people of Israel offer up peace offerings or thanksgiving offerings to the Lord, these parts will be the regular share of Aaron and his descendants. 
Aaron's sacred garments must be preserved for his descendants who will succeed him, so they can be anointed and ordained in them. Whoever is the next high priest after Aaron will wear these clothes for seven days before beginning to minister in the tabernacle and the holy place. Take the ram used in the ordination ceremony and boil its meat in a sacred place. Aaron and his sons are to eat this meat along with the bread in the basket at the tabernacle entrance. They alone may eat the meat and bread used for their atonement in the ordination ceremony. The ordinary people may not eat them, for these things are set apart and holy. If any of the ordination meat or bread remains until the morning, it must be burned. It may not be eaten, for it is holy. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. This is how you will ordain Aaron and his sons to their offices. The ordination ceremony will go on for seven days. Each day you must sacrifice a young bull as an offering for the atonement of sin. Afterward, make an offering to cleanse the altar. Purify the altar by making atonement for it. Make it holy by anointing it with oil. Make atonement for the altar every day for seven days. After that, the altar will be exceedingly holy, and whatever touches it will become holy. This is what you are to offer on the altar. Offer two one-year-old lambs each day, one in the morning and the other in the evening. With one of them, offer two quarts of fine flour mixed with one quart of olive oil. Also, offer one quart of wine as a drink offering. Offer the other lamb in the evening along with the same offerings of flour and wine as in the morning. It will be a fragrant offering to the Lord, an offering made by fire. This is to be a daily burnt offering given from generation to generation. Offer it in the Lord's presence at the tabernacle entrance where I will meet you and speak with you. I will meet the people of Israel there and the tabernacle will be sanctified by my glorious presence. Yes, I will make the tabernacle and the altar most holy and I will set apart Aaron and his sons as holy that they may be my priests. I will live among the people of Israel and be their God, and they will know that I am the Lord their God. I am the one who brought them out of Egypt so that I could live among them. I am the Lord their God. Exodus 30. Then make a small altar out of acacia wood for burning incense. It must be 18 inches square and 3 feet high, with horns at the corners carved from the same piece of wood as the altar. Overlay the top, sides, and horns of the altar with pure gold and run a gold molding around the entire altar. Beneath the molding on opposite sides of the altar, attach two gold rings to support the carrying poles. The poles are to be made of acacia wood and overlaid with gold. Place the incense altar just outside the inner curtain, opposite the ark's cover, the place of atonement that rests on the ark of the covenant. I will meet with you there. Every morning when Aaron trims the lamps, he must burn fragrant incense on the altar. And each evening when he tends to the lamps, he must again burn incense in the Lord's presence. This must be done from generation to generation. Do not offer any unholy incense on this altar or any burnt offerings, grain offerings, or drink offerings. Once a year, Aaron must purify the altar by placing on its horns the blood from the offering made for the atonement of sin. This will be a regular annual event from generation to generation, for this is the Lord's supremely holy altar. And the Lord said to Moses, Whenever you take a census of the people of Israel, each man who is counted must pay a ransom for himself to the Lord. Then there will be no plagues among the people as you count them. His payment to the Lord will be one-fifth of an ounce of silver. All who have reached their twentieth birthday must give this offering to the Lord. When this offering is given to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves, the rich must not give more and the poor must not give less. Use this money for the care of the tabernacle. It will bring you, the Israelites, to the Lord's attention, and it will make atonement for your sins. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a large bronze wash basin with a bronze pedestal. Put it between the tabernacle and the altar and fill it with water. Aaron and his sons will wash their hands and feet there before they go into the tabernacle to appear before the Lord and before they approach the altar to burn offerings to the Lord. 
They must always wash before ministering in these ways, or they will die. This is a permanent law for Aaron and his descendants to be kept from generation to generation. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Then the Lord said to Moses, Collect choice spices, twelve and a half pounds of pure myrrh, six and a fourth pounds each of cinnamon and of sweet cane, twelve and a half pounds of cassia, and one gallon of olive oil. Blend these ingredients into a holy anointing oil. Use this scented oil to anoint the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, the table and all its utensils, the lampstand and all its accessories, the incense altar, the altar of burnt offerings with all its utensils, and the large wash basin with its pedestal. Sanctify them to make them entirely holy. After this, whatever touches them will become holy. Use this oil also to anoint Aaron and his sons, sanctifying them so they can minister before me as priests. And say to the people of Israel, This will always be my holy anointing oil. It must never be poured on the body of an ordinary person, and you must never make any of it for yourselves. It is holy, and you must treat it as holy. Anyone who blends scented oil like it or puts any of it on someone who is not a priest will be cut off from the community. These were the Lord's instructions to Moses concerning the incense. Gather sweet spices, rosin droplets, mollusk scent, galbanum, and pure frankincense, weighing out the same amounts of each. Using the usual techniques of the incense maker, refine it to produce a pure and holy incense. Beat some of it very fine and put some of it in front of the Ark of the Covenant, where I will meet you in the tabernacle. This incense is most holy. Never make this incense for yourselves. It is reserved for the Lord, and you must treat it as holy. Those who make it for their own enjoyment will be cut off from the community. Exodus 31 The Lord also said to Moses, Look, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, intelligence, and skill in all kinds of crafts. He is able to create beautiful objects from gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in cutting and setting gemstones and in carving wood. Yes, he is a master at every craft. And I have appointed Aholiab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, to be his assistant. Moreover, I have given special skill to all the naturally talented craftsmen so they can make all the things I have instructed you to make. The tabernacle itself, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark's cover, the Place of Atonement, all the furnishings of the tabernacle, the table and all its utensils, the gold lampstand with all its accessories, the incense altar, the altar of burnt offerings with all its utensils, the wash basin and its pedestal, the beautifully stitched holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments for his sons to wear as they minister as priests, the anointing oil, and the special incense for the holy place. They must follow exactly all the instructions I have given you. The Lord then gave these further instructions to Moses. Tell the people of Israel to keep my Sabbath day, for the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between me and you forever. It helps you to remember that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Yes, keep the Sabbath day, for it is holy. Anyone who desecrates it must die. Anyone who works on that day will be cut off from the community. Work six days only, but the seventh day must be a day of total rest. I repeat, because the Lord considers it a holy day, anyone who works on the Sabbath must be put to death. The people of Israel must keep the Sabbath day forever. It is a permanent sign of my covenant with them. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but he rested on the seventh day and was refreshed. Then as the Lord finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, written by the finger of God. End of reading, Exodus 28:40 through 31:18.
Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Again, I remind you that the people of Israel, two million strong, are camped at the base of Mount Sinai. Moses is hearing from God. God is giving instructions to him now about this worship center and the system of worship that will be put in place to encourage those who believe in God and trust in him, to encourage them in giving religious or spiritual expression of that relationship with God. God is instituting here for the people of Israel a system and traditions, institutions of worship. Worship is the means by which man gives expression of our relationship with God. We give expression toward God and toward other people around us. Religion has several aspects. First, there is worship, through which we express gratitude, praise toward God, acknowledgement toward God, worship Him and adoring our God, admiring Him in His glory. And then there's atonement, where we find a moral reckoning. We go to God for forgiveness and cleansing of sin, for power to deal with iniquity in our lives, with selfishness, greed, and so on. That's an aspect of this that we see being set up here. Then also you see some sense of community. There's a common understanding of the symbolism of these festival days, sacrifices, and of the clothing that the priests will wear and in their function. So there's a sense of community, fellowship, mutual encouragement and growth for those who believe in God, allowing them to encourage one another. And of course, finally, there is always that constant witness. There is that constant expression of who the true and living God is so that others who are outside of faith can come close to God, can learn about him and come into that relationship and share that relationship with us as part of the church. Now, this is being set in place for the people of Israel. God himself, the creator, is calling each and every one of us as individuals into that eternal relationship with him, a relationship that will affect, of course, our life here on planet Earth, that will guide and direct all of our decisions ultimately because he is our Lord, he is our king. And if we truly seek God and acknowledge God and worship God and love God, we desire to obey him in every area of our lives. The way we dress, the way we act in our speech, our educational life, our love life, our romantic life, in our home and family and relationships, our politics. Those of us who know and love the Lord, we desire to honor him and please him in all of our choices, all of our decisions, in all of the different areas of our life. And yet we live here in this world with other human beings. We live in community and relationships with others and families. And there are those who live outside the faith, who do not yet know God. They have not come to that point of committing and trusting in Him. And so we have the phenomenon here of the people of God gathering to mutually encourage one another, to grow in their faith, to help one another, and to nurture that relationship with God at both the personal, family level, and so on. And, and of course, in the society. This is a very interesting moment for the people of Israel. This is Nation Building 101. And you see how important the glue that holds a nation together, culture, language, borders. There's a whole lot for us to learn ourselves as Americans today. We are a culture that seems to be coming apart in many ways. We seem to be deteriorating. We seem to be on the decline because we're walking away from the powerful, wonderful, positive, foundational elements that, by God's grace, were planted here in this culture. This is a society that was founded 200 years ago or more on these principles that we've been reading about. 
God's presence and our need to acknowledge God and worship God, the idea of sin and forgiveness. Man is sinful and selfish by nature. There needs to be breaks put on the sinful base inclinations of human beings. So therefore we have the idea of laws. We have all of these principles that were taken from Scripture about human being and human experience and human society. And we have been benefiting from these principles for 200 years. They have brought this nation to the height, the pinnacle of greatness, of influence, of prosperity. We have become, by God's grace, a tool that God has used for good on planet Earth, bringing freedom, sharing prosperity, health. We have been used as an instrument of good. Now, though, as a people, there is a movement abroad to deny those foundational truths that got us to the point of greatness. These religious expressions have great value, and they can be very valuable, but only in the context of a genuine, real, true, sincere relationship with God. If we try to keep these laws and have all of this ritual, these robes and these hats on our heads, and all of this stained glass and polished oak wood, quiet music, or loud music with tambourines, whatever our religious style might be, if it does not have the core of that relationship with God, it's all for nothing. Many times in the Old Testament, we'll see God saying, I don't want your sacrifices. I don't want your ritual. I don't want your religious system with the priesthood and the tabernacle. He says, that does not please me. Only if we do these things in sincere expression of a genuine relationship with God. Now, I ask you to turn your eyes inward on your own life and on your own church and your own worship experience. Are we settling for ritual and for pomp and circumstance? for jumping around and shouting and just a chance to enjoy music? Is it just a social get-together? Or is our coming together in our congregations marked by true worship, gratitude, and praise to God? Do you experience the presence of God when you come together with His people? Are you experiencing His cleansing, atonement, moral reckoning, a sense of fellowship and community, and finally a witness to a lost world around us? It's important to remember the context here as the people of Israel receive these instructions. God's action in bringing them out of Egypt showed his great desire to be with them, to protect them, to be their provision, to be their guide. And throughout the Bible, God shows that he's not an absentee landlord. He didn't put the world to spinning and then take off to Honolulu. He desires to live among us even in our very hearts. So don't exclude God from your life. Allow him to be your God. As you obey his word, commune with him in prayer and let him guide you into fellowship with other believers. Now notice throughout this process the overwhelming constant emphasis on the holiness of God. The priest, the clothes, the tabernacle, the sacrifice, it all prepared us to meet God. Sometimes today we take God for granted. We rush into his presence and worship and treat him with almost casual disregard. Let's remember this as we go into our churches this weekend to worship. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Kindle House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America. And your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's the Bible Live P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now, don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today and in one year's time.
we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word. 